Hi, I'm Angie Wisdom, and welcome to my podcast, Sharing Wisdom. I'm an author and a keynote speaker and a master certified coach. And for the past 25 years, I've sat across the table from fascinating people, helping them break through their obstacles to achieve success in their life and business. The one thing I've learned and believe to this day is that you are capable capable of change, capable of greatness, capable of anything you're willing to get serious about. And I want to help you get there. That's why I'm sharing all my wisdom and interviewing some of the most successful business leaders and athletes in the world so they can share their wisdom too. So get present and ready to learn. Welcome to Sharing Wisdom. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Sharing Wisdom. I'm your host, Angie Wisdom. Happy to have you here today. I am talking about a topic that shows up in the news every single day burnout, workplace burnout, and whether you've experienced it or you've had somebody that works for you experiencing it, this is worth listening to you all. I have Paula Davis here. She is an author of Beating Burnout at Work. She has a certification and degree in positive psychology. She teaches all about resilience and she's going to share so much wisdom on how to spot burnout in the workplace and how to correct it, how to avoid it, everything that you want to know as either an employee or as a leader or business owner. Great information today. So please help me welcome Paula Davis. Welcome Paula. Thanks for being here on the podcast today. Thank you, Angie, for having me. I'm so looking forward to our discussion. You have such great, valuable information or wisdom to share with our listeners because burnout, stress, um, you know, what happens in companies on a day to day basis and the effect it actually has on the companies is an ongoing problem. And you and I had kind of talked about it a little bit about how the word is thrown around as far as burnout is concerned. And we've taken a very generic kind of definition to it and what it takes to overcome it. So I really want to dig in with you today on that and let our listeners both on the ownership side of the companies and our leaders, but also mm-hmm. as the employee side to understand what to look out for. So I'm happy we get to dig into that today. So let's start off first with really kind of giving me that true definition of what you believe burnout is. Yeah, so I define it pretty simply. And and there are honestly a number of different definitions out there, but I just think of it as chronic workplace stress left unchecked. And so the word chronic is really important. So one of the things that differentiates burnout from just everyday stress that we all experience is that it's something that I can't shake. More often than not, I'm, I'm experiencing kind of what we know are the three big dimensions of, of this thing called burnout. Like I can't shake it. It's not going away. Um, and the other important word is workplace. And so, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, we use the word burnout a lot. We use it as, I think, a replacement term, again, for just stress. We have a really bad day and we come home maybe and we're like, Ugh, so burned out. Um, and in yeah. reality, what we probably mean is I just had a really stressful day. Um, and so burnout is really uh, when the World Health Organization updated its definition and it's thinking about burnout back in, I believe, 2019, uh, it really made clear that we're talking about a workplace or an occupational phenomenon, that if we're experiencing mm-hmm. burnout, there is a workplace cause, a workplace root, a workplace association with whatever it is that we're experiencing. Interesting. So because on my side, I always talk about burnout in the sense of like, what can people do for themselves, like outside of work to avoid that burnout? But if I'm hearing you correctly, it almost sounds like it doesn't really matter what you do outside of work for that. If it's happening in your workplace, you're still going to be burnout there. 
Yes. So what I like to think, we tend to think of burnout, and this is one of the ways that we've gone wrong. And another way that we've gone wrong in the burnout conversation mm-hmm. is we tend to think of it as an individual failing of stress management, solely an individual failing of stress management. And so then what leaders and teams and organizations used to do is they would say, well, let's just pass these people into um, the well-being uh, offerings that we have into our employee assistance program offerings. And people would kind of consume those materials and they wouldn't feel better. It would help them a little bit. Uh, and in reality, the cause of burnout is is very systemic. It's very um, organizational focused, culture focused, teams focused, and leaders have an inordinate responsibility and factor to play in whether burnout happens um, in organizations and to people eventually. So I now think of it as the it's the individual manifestation of a workplace systems or culture issue, which isn't to say people don't have anything to do. They can't do anything to help themselves. But if I guess if we were going to think about this as like a pot, like a little bit of a pie, whereas the old thinking is it's 100 percent on individuals. They caused it. They need to fix it themselves. I would probably say that it's probably more 70, 75 percent on um, organizations and teams and leaders to be thinking about and Mm -hmm. um, 25 to 30 percent on individuals. So there's still there's still a role that we can play. It just doesn't look like we think it might look like if we're going to try and do something about it. Okay, I have so many questions that are like running through my head now. I'm like frantically trying to write them down so we can ask them all. (laughs) Yeah. First, let's back up a second so that when people are listening and they're going, okay, so burnout, I hear what you're saying definition wise, but what does it look like? You know, give me an example of somebody who is feeling burnt out or is going through burnout as an employee or, you know, somebody who's working. What are they typically experiencing that would be those red flags to say you're definitely burnt out? Yes. So first of all, let's talk about the three big dimensions of burnout, because I think this is a really important component for us that will set us on the right conversation versus just thinking about it as general stress. So first and foremost, there's chronic physical and emotional exhaustion. And this is Mm -hmm. day in, day out, more often than not over a period of time. So there is no evidence. Like I can't say like you're burned out after three months if you've been experiencing this. It's different for everybody, which is another thing that makes it hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just that sense of no matter like what I used to do to manage my stress, whether it was taking walks or hanging out with friends or for me, it was playing co-ed sports with my friends. Um, that wasn't giving me the the energy replenishment, and mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out how to get that sense of energy uh, in into me um, to feel like I could, you know, like pop out of bed at work, you know, on Monday morning and be like, woohoo, I'm excited to go to work. It was yeah. just this little drop and thud and Sunday scaries and the countdown on the clock where, you know, Sunday night and it's like six o'clock and I'm like, oh, I gotta go to bed in like four more hours and then just like, mm-hmm. you know, just constantly watching the time. So that sense of chronic physical and emotional exhaustion is a big, big hallmark. Um, but what a lot of a lot of people also stop there when we think about burnout. We tend to think of it just as this the syndrome of exhaustion, and it's a little bit more nuanced. And so the second big dimension is chronic cynicism. So this is everyone annoys me, everyone bothers me, I'm irritated by people. Mm. Um, for me, like when I experienced at the end of my law practice, I would, you know, roll into work with a smile on my face. I would say hi to everybody in the office. And then I would go into my office, shut the door and say, please don't anyone call me. Please don't anyone bother me. Like, just please leave me alone. Because when that cynicism piece and that exhaustion piece start working together, that's a really frustrating spot to be. Like, 
you know, I'm, I'm annoyed kind of by my clients or my colleagues and, and I'm exhausted. Like you're just trying to find some, some pocket of energy during your day to sort of help kind of just get you through. Um, so, and I also too, with, with the cynicism piece, um, got very judgy. So that's something for people to think about. I I started internally, Mm -hmm. internally very judgy thinking about like, like, why is it that I have so much work and it doesn't look like you all have so much work. And, you know, I started to, to really kind of, you know, look at people differently because of that. Um, so that's the second big piece. And then the third big piece, especially if you start to feel a sense of what the research calls inefficacy. So I translate that into like, why bother? Who cares? Doesn't matter what I do anyway. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter how I show up. This is the way it's just going to be. And I'm frustrated and it's not going to change. And so when that mindset starts to set in, you start to notice a sense of disengagement, whether it's from your work itself, whether it's from your clients or your colleagues, um, because it's almost a sense of like helplessness. Like there's just really nothing I can do about this. Is this even what Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be doing? Where's the meaning in my work? Like all of these questions start to come up. And so, so true burnout is all three pieces of that puzzle more often than not. So we all have bad days. We all have days where we're tired. We all have days where people really bother us and annoy us. But that, unless it's going on for a period of time and it's like different from your normal personality and it's just not how you usually have operated at work, that's when we have to start thinking that it might be something else. As you're saying all that, I'm thinking about that that second part, um, you know, the cynicism is like, I run into people like that and I'm like, they're so annoyed that they have to do their job. Like, this is your job and you're so annoyed by it. And now I'm going to totally look at it differently. I'm going to be like, you are burnt out. You know, <laughs> we should check these other factors. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's a fruitful place for conversation, as you're mentioning, especially yeah. in, as, as a coach and in, in one's coaching practice to start to dig in for that, because when you are experiencing those three dimensions, you start to throw off warning signs a little bit. And you ha- mm-hmm. and this is part of what I educate a lot of leaders and teams about as well, and people, because especially in hybrid work environments, we don't see everybody every day. And so where we could normally, or sometimes maybe pick up on emotional cues, or like, wow, I've seen mm-hmm. you like a week, every day for a week and you you seem off, like, are you okay? We're missing a lot of that. And so sure. when we're feeling this cluster of traits, we can um, be more reactionary about things. We can snap at people more. Um, we can procrastinate. That's a huge um, first sort of early warning sign is procrastination. Because mm. you can imagine if I'm exhausted and people are annoying me, it's not like I'm going to like jump into work and go, woohoo, I'm here. Right. I'm excited to like just tackle everything that I got to do. Um, yeah. You know, for me, for me in my law practice, I mean, I would go into work and instead of, you know, focusing on the hundred page lease that I had to negotiate, I would sit and think about like recipes I was going to use when I started my, my baking, which my baking or bakery company, which is what I thought I was going to do when I left my law practice. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as focused as I should have been. We have a hard time concentrating. We start to get sick more frequently because of, of that chronic stress. So there's, there's Mm -hmm. ways we can start to kind of parse this apart when we know what to look for. Yeah. And I think it's interesting to me because from my coaching perspective, I talk to people about making sure that you get your values in. that's what gives us that energy, almost like you're referring to on that, you know, kind of chronic physical and emotional, you know, drain there. And if you get those values and you go on that walk, you do the things that you love and you still don't get that refresh, 
that's kind of that sign. That's like, you've done your part, you've done your 25% and it's still not moving the needle from you, then you've got to look into it a little bit more. And like you said, we have bad days. So maybe you're snippy at somebody one day, but if it keeps happening, then that's a little bit of a bigger flag. Um, you mentioned kind of that, um, that last point there in the, F let me scratch that because I'm going to say that word wrong and we're going to delete this. And efficacy. <laughs> referred to, yes, and I can't even say it. <laughs> we're going to delete all that part. But That's right. In your, in your third kind of pillar there of mm -hmm. looking out for that burnout, it almost sounds like victim mentality to me. Would you it equate it to that where you feel like you, you don't have a choice and you can't do anything about it? What, so kind of, and what really, how I, how this played out for me is when I noticed that something was wrong, when I noticed in my law practice that I was the, these other pieces had set in and I didn't have the vocabulary to talk about this back then. I didn't know what burnout mm -hmm. was. I couldn't say to someone I'm feeling burned out. Something was just off. And I actually went to my boss who I loved. Um, one of my only only bosses in seven years of law practice who I actually really trusted and loved uh, and, and said to him, I said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm really stressed. I'm overloaded with the commercial real estate work that I'm doing. I'd like to take a step back and take a break. Um, is it possible for me to do some other work in our law department? Could I do some trademarks work? Could I, could I do some pure contracts work? Could I do something else mm -hmm. for a bit of time just to give me a break and a pause? And he thought that that was a great idea, but uh, others in our law department just kind of shot that down, essentially. And so that is, to me, when the sort of the helplessness behavior mentality started to set in. I was trying to fix my situation. Mm. And every time I reached out, every thought that I had, I kept hearing no, or we can't do that. And that's when I started to really feel like there's, I, I don't know what to do about this because I, I'm trying to get myself out of this in the way that I know how, I don't even know what this is, um, yeah. but I'm trying to fix my situation and I can't and that was really frustrating. That was exceedingly frustrating. It's one of the only times I think in my career where I, I really did feel what I would probably label as helpless because I've always mm -hmm. felt like I can call someone, I can ask a question. I, there's something that I feel like I can do about the situation mm -hmm. to fix it or repair it, or at least alert somebody to it. And when I tried to make those attempts and they were squashed, that was exceedingly frustrating and really, um, you know, I think really probably activated the next probably layer of my burnout, which wasn't good. Right. Okay. So it, it, thanks for explaining that too, because I think there's a big difference in there where you were, you were trying to do something. And that takes me back to a question I had when you were first explaining in a sense of like, sometimes you kind of are handcuffed, right? I mean, yes. you're doing and, and trying to advocate for yourself and trying to make these changes. But what do you do when you're in that situation and your leadership and the company that you're working for isn't helping? And that can be that can be exceedingly frustrating because not mm -hmm. everyone is in a position to leave their job or wants to leave their job. And so sure. you, you really have to take a step back. And for me, it always starts with a conversation. And that's why I'm so big at, at helping people um, think about and understand what type of conversation to have when they're feeling burned out. Because if you go to a leader, if you go to your leader, whether you feel comfortable or not, or, in this, or whoever it is that you identify that you want to talk to about this, 
And if you say something like, well, I'm just feeling really stressed or I'm overloaded or overwhelmed, that's not going to usually trigger anything for them because they're probably feeling that. And they know that everybody else is also, you know, dealing with an unmanageable workload and frustration. So it's not really helping them see how what you're going through is different. And so, so to the extent that you can think about as you go into a conversation, what it is that you want. So you're seeing this happening, you're experiencing this happening. Um, and it uh, you know, so much depends on what kind of organization you work for, how big it is, what what sort of you know avenues or pathways are possible. Um, but try and figure out what it is that you want or need. Um, is it a little bit of time off? Is it? Um, and we know that vacations are really just a band aid for burnout. So people do feel better when they're on vacation because they're out of the work. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then they come back and it's usually within two or three weeks or so that they bounce back to their pre-vacation kind of burnout or stress level. So sure. So there's there's that piece. Um, But thinking about like, would you, do you think you would flourish better on a different team? Could you be reassigned to a different division? Uh, Could you, uh, you know, cut your hours possibly from full time to 80% or something like that? Uh, If Mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. uh, company offers sabbaticals and you qualify, is that something that you would consider or you would want? So some of it is trying to arm yourself with what you think Uh, can be done. And it can be exceedingly difficult and frustrating, especially if the source of your, a big source of your burnout is say, for example, a micromanaging boss. Um, Then it Mm -hmm. becomes, you know, there's only so much that you can do about bullying, incivility, micromanaging and things of that nature. And so this is why it's such a systemic problem because others in the organization then have to be so careful to not promote people who are exhibiting traits or get them coaching or, or some sort of help understanding that this, this is not how we lead. This is not effective leadership practice. And so, so at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can do Mm -hmm. uh, before you have to start thinking, you know, is this damaging my health? Is this damaging my relationships? And it's usually, you know, I tell people once we're getting into those territories and those points, then you got to have a really strong conversation with yourself about, is this where I should sure. be and should I start looking for something else? So I'm, I'm actually never really an advocate about that being the first piece of the puzzle. Um, I'm actually the exception to the rule probably in terms of, um, you know, somebody who, who did leave a practice and going in a completely different direction. So, um, so, but, so there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of nuance and there's a lot of things to really dig into and, and piece apart. And that's usually where I get with my, when I do, um, coaching with people who are recovering from burnout or think they're experiencing it. Those are the deep layers of conversations that we have to have. Sure. You know, when you were saying that it made me think of, it's basically like you need to go with your ask. If you have a great leader, then they're probably going to ask you questions about like, what would make this better? What do you want? But if you just go with your feelings of I'm stressed, I'm fatigued, I'm burnout, I'm overwhelmed or whatever. Oftentimes leaders don't know what to do with those feelings. Like you said, they generalize them. Everybody is, we got to get through this, but showing up with a request, almost a solution to your problem is going to be probably a, a better way to go about it. Because like I said, any event, you don't have that leader who really asked the question, then maybe you just get a little empathy or sympathy on your feelings and right. you know, back to your office or your cubicle you go. So let's yeah. spin this on the other side. So we've got people that are going through the burnout like that from 
an employer side, from that leadership side, what should they be watching out for? I mean, is it truly just the reverse of this? The people that are not motivated, the ones that, you know, maybe don't care about the work they're doing, are fatigued. What are those red flags that the employers might see in somebody who's burnt out? Yeah, so some of what we talked about before, um, you might see a drop in productivity. You might see procrastination. Mm -hmm. Like it, it usually starts to appear in that way because when we're feeling overwhelmed and exhausted and frustrated and annoyed, it's, it's almost impossible to still do the same level of either quantity and or quality of work that we're used to doing. So something is mm -hmm. probably going to give at some point. Um, you're sure. going to you're going to hear maybe from other team members like so and so is just like really been off lately and they may not even know how mm -hmm. to describe it if they even say anything about it at all. Uh, so that's where, you know, having that environment of trust really becomes important. But um, so, I mean, it can be really hard to suss out and sleuth out and which is why a lot of people try to kind of squash it and hide it until they really can't until there is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, perhaps a mental health issue that has surfaced. Um, for me, it took months, but eventually um, my burnout opened the door to anxiety. And so I was experiencing panic attacks very regularly. Mm -hmm. I ended up in the emergency room twice because I had really bad stomach aches from the stress wow. that I was experiencing. And again, that was the very end stage. So that's nowhere near where mm -hmm. I started, which is why if we can start to catch some of these like, wow, Paula, Paula's rolling in late, like last in our department, like almost every day. I wonder what's up with that. And again, hybrid work makes it harder for us to to see this, see sure. these behaviors and pinpoint that. Um, or she's consistently late for meetings or, uh, you know, she's just not getting her deals done in the way that she used to. Or, you know, there's usually something that we can start to see. And that doesn't even then mean that somebody's burned out. But it absolutely must, I think, for leaders invite the question and a conversation mm -hmm. with the person about, hey, like, just let, like, you know, not, I, I care about you. You're a valued member of the team. You know, is everything OK? Because we're noticing, you know, be very specific about the behaviors you're seeing. We're here to help and we're here to, you know, understand what's going on, you know, and, and then, you know, hopefully that will promote some sort of conversation. But it is so difficult, especially, you know, someone like me as I'm a licensed professional. I, I don't want to tell other people that I'm whatever it is that I'm experiencing. And so, right. uh, so it's just, it just can be pretty, pretty difficult. Um, and, and I also think though, a lot of leaders, this is one of the things that I've been really, I, I, I don't want to say stunned about, but really uh, something that has really registered with me over doing this work for the past few years is how much education leaders really need to have to understand really what burnout is and what causes it. Uh, because they really, I mean, there's really such an ingrained sentiment of um, individual failing of stress management. I made it to this level, so other people should be able to make it to this level. Uh, sure. You know, those types of narratives, um, thinking that people are just weak and they can't handle it. I've had leaders tell me every single version and more of those types of statements. When in reality, I think one of the things that grabs leaders a lot when I talk to them is my core is the core six framework. So a ton of research talking about if you're noticing burnout in your organization and on your teams, you really got to look at six kind of core driving factors to see 
all right, what's what's going on here? And there's usually, I mean, when you have, you can measure these, actually, there's an empirically validated mm-hmm. assessment tool to, to measure these. But when you start to dig into them, then you start to at least see like, ooh, yeah, and then start to at least have the right conversation about the issue, if not, you know, completely solve it. But So you're saying when, you know, employers or leaders are starting to see some of this, they really need to lean in a little bit more and kind of do this assessment and tune into these six core kind of root causes and go, where are we lining up against everyone else? And I I think that brings up this conversation of, you know, one prevention, repair, um, how to avoid it. But yeah, the awareness, it starts there. And I know, I mean, from working with business leaders, I can't tell you how many people say to me, well, this person's so good. I just want to make sure they don't burn out. Yes. You know, I just want to retain them. I want to make sure they're happy, which can sometimes have people overcorrecting, right? Giving somebody way too much, paying them way too much, giving them all these benefits to where it, it tips the scales in not such a great way. When really, if we look maybe at these six root causes, we can just avoid the burnout in the beginning so you don't have to overcompensate in other areas. So give those to me. What are those six? Yeah. And it's a completely different way, I think, of looking at the problem. One where people then, you you can see people's wheels turning once they see Mm -hmm. this and and then they can, if even if nothing else happens, they at least have the right framework to to start looking at the issue through. So the the first one is unmanageable workload. And by far and away over the past few years, that has been, I would say, easily the number one driver of what I have certainly seen um, as as, Mm -hmm. the, the teams and the organizations that I've worked with. Um, by far, this is this is a very hard issue to deal with, especially when we were going through the um, the great resignation and then the quiet quitting. And it's sort of like I can't find people. I've got, you know, yeah. 800 open spots when I normally have like 250. And so, um, you know, trying to solve unmanageable workload by just waiting to hire people isn't probably going to help a whole lot. And so this is a very tough nut to crack because there is a lot that goes into unmanageable workload. There's our culture of busyness. There is what we say to ourselves in terms of narratives around, you know, I'm a high achiever or I'm getting tons of work. That must mean I'm valued. So give me more. And now I got a problem. There's a lot in there. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in there. And where I I try to start um, with teams and leaders with this piece is helping them look at their communication practices first and foremost. There's a lot of uh, unintentionality around how teams communicate. We just sort of have all these methods and of, of channels to communicate, but we don't have a lot of intention over how we use them or, or how should we start communicating or is everybody on the team? And there's a lot of working parents who aren't available mm-hmm. from like six to nine, perhaps, you know, and so what are the norms around how we're going to communicate as a team? And then also meetings. Meetings are a huge mm-hmm. part of the unmanageable workload problem. And so helping teams see how they can do a meetings audit. Do we even need to have a meeting about this topic? We are just reflexively adding meetings to everybody's calendar. We're even thinking about who needs to be at this meeting. Uh, You know, do we have an agenda? If we stayed focused, could we finish in 20 minutes instead of 60 minutes? And so it's trying to enter through those paths that I think helps at least give us a sense of control. We may not be able to fix the problem totally, that we can see pockets of influence, which which can help. So the unmanageable workload. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's number two? 
Yes. So, uh, and I'm not doing these in any particular order, although I would yeah. say unmanageable workload by far is number one, but I, and I would say number mm-hmm. a close second, quite honestly, is lack of recognition. And so this, this is a, this is a big one, but I think it's more within our control than say trying to fix an unmanageable workload situation. And I've had a lot sure. of leaders say like, gosh, if we could just get that one, right. If we could do the recognition piece better, that might take some sting out of how we feel stressed about the unmanageable workload. Because if I'm being appreciated, if I'm being recognized authentically and in a way that matches how I like to be appreciated and recognized, mm-hmm. now I'm kind of thinking like, wow, okay, I'm a valued, I, I more intrinsically know I'm a valued member of the team. All right, you need me to come in on a Saturday? I'll come in on a Saturday. You need me to work a little bit later? I'll put the kiddos to bed and then I'll patch back in at 11 o'clock at night. Um, it might not get you that buy-in like all the time, but but right. really, you'd be surprised how many organizations either don't do recognition really, or have tried to codify it in sort of like the uh, the gift cards and the every five years, you know, we get the you know pick a pick a thing you can buy yes, from a booklet yes. and stuff, which isn't <laughs> to say you should get rid of those things, right? Those those have a function, but it's just not what we know produces the, the core stuff that, that will keep us in our job, the intrinsic motivation, the engagement, the meaning, and the deeper things that we need to feel. So that's different of, than like incentive, right? Yes. You know, the gift cards, the, the gifts, that's like incentive. And, and I think that triggers different people. You know, some people want the incentive, you know, give me a reward for doing a really great job. And some people are like, I just want the pat on the back and the thank you. And, you know, the mention of my name and it's two totally different things. Yes. I, I can't help but hear these first two pieces, unmanageable workload and the lack of recognition. It's so interesting because many leaders or business owners, at least, both of those are kind of not important to many of them in a sense of one, I can do so much. It's how I started this company and everyone should be able to do as much as me. And two, like, it's your job. You just do what you need to do. We shouldn't need to be recognized. So I can see how those really kind of can trickle down into everybody at the company. Our narratives trip us up in a very big way when it comes to understanding and dealing with burnout. What we say to ourselves in terms of what uh, what we feel a good professional should be, what we feel a high achiever should be, uh, those those rules that we've created around how we think the world should operate, really get in, get in our own way from a stress management perspective and other things. But from a leadership side, woof, like completely. I mean, when and I hear I hear that a lot. In fact, when I was I was just uh, giving a workshop last week, and we were talking about recognition and one of the leaders said, he's like, it's just making me feel sort of like, I don't know. He said, like, everybody gets a trophy. And I said, mm-hmm. so w- what we're talking about, though, is what I call sticky recognition. And so you don't have to. It's, it's matching the recognition to the person. And you don't have to do that every day. It's when it lands right. Those are the times when you hear the stories from somebody who says, you know, my boss called me up. I thought he was going to give me, you know, another assignment. And he just said, thank you. The job that you did was great. I know it probably wasn't like the best assignment or the thing you wanted to do, but the way that, that it turned out, everything was well organized and it really helped me be able to have the next conversation with my CEO. And I call that a thank Mm -hmm. you plus it's that extra little piece 
that when you add it tells me you are watching me, you see me and you value me. And it's specific. Mm -hmm. So it lands much differently than a thank you, which is probably going to make me feel good for about 30 seconds. And then I'm going to be off Mm -hmm. on my way. Sticky recognition lands in a way that you will remember it 10 years from now or five years from now. And that's what we're trying to to activate. And it's and it's not everybody gets a trophy. It's a very specific highly tailored version of recognition and not everybody not everybody resonates with a thank you or a thank you plus for some people mm-hmm. it is include me on the next project it is uh give me a seat at the table like you're texting me i, I hear this a lot uh you're t- I, I get texted from from my manager and she's asking for my advice or my opinion she's she's in this you know particular you know meeting just invite me to the meeting like i'd like to be considered you know, for my expertise and have a seat at the table. That's definitely another form of very powerful recognition. So most pe- for most people, it's some version of like words of affirmation of some sort and or the sort of like, you know, include me and, and make sure that I'm, you know, part of part of the team. Really very, uh, the research shows that um, very few people will, will on their at the surface sort of say like give me the give me the you know the the gift card or the or the what have you right Um, right i love about the sticky recognition in the sense that like it builds confidence and it actually breeds more of what you want from somebody so if you liked what they did there when you get specific specifics and thank them for that, it's going to encourage that behavior again and again. And so I really, I I love this takeaway right here for employees, for our employers and leaders is to think about like, how can you give that thank you plus, you know, and cause that sticky recognition so that people really do feel valued and they want to do more of what you shared. I love that. Love that. Yes. That's yes, it's homework right now. Figure yes. out the person to give that to today. <laughs> and, and you can. And the thing of it is, you can go do it now. Like you can literally right. sit at your desk or wherever you're at and think of somebody that you want to appreciate or recognize. Don't just start with thank you and then add that extra sentence. Like literally, it will take you a minute or two to deliver. And the landing, it, 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 like for a minute or two to get a higher level so some that like so what you just said that activates my self efficacy that ef- that activates my mindset of when i encounter this challenge or this issue or this project or whatever it is in the future i know i've got something that i can rely on that i can do mm-hmm. something about like I, I it's a very um it's very very linked to resilience and so we know that sticky recognition can promote resilience um it can promote health and well-being and that intrinsic motivation because you had to notice something specific about what I did and that lands differently with me. Mm-hmm, that says you sure. were watching and that says that you're psychologically, you're telling me I'm a valued member of your team. Even though you're not mm-hmm. actively saying those words, the response and the psychology behind it activates all of that. And so sure. for me, if I can just try and get leaders and like take two minutes and, and really try and start there it really can be a, a very, uh, very fruitful entry point, not to solving the entire problem, but to, to certainly helping getting things going in a, in a better direction. Yeah. And, and we're, we don't have a ton of time, so we have to zip through these other ones. But one yes. last point on that is almost this, this need for leaders and business owners to 
kind of, I'm going to just say, get over yourself in being grateful for people in not expecting that it is just their job, because that is something that comes up all the time. Like we're hesitant or business owners are hesitant to give gratitude for something that people are paid for. And it, it's just, God, I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Paula? Why does this show up for people not wanting to say thank you instead of having this response of like, that's what I pay them for. It's their job. I shouldn't have to thank them. They get a paycheck for that. Yes. And the, and the, pay, the paycheck, though, is the fulfillment of an employment contract, whether you have an actual employment contract with somebody or you're an at-will employee. It's a business transaction. I show up and I do some work and you pay some money for me. So it's a very transactional, you know, sort of like, you know, arrangement. And so it's great. I mean, I get some money and you're getting some work out of me, but I mean, I'm hoping if you decided to wear the leadership hat, you want something more in your environment. You want something more for your employees. You want something more for the people with whom you work. Uh, and you want them because one of the big issues I hear over and over is talent retention. We want to, we want to keep mm -hmm. great people, Yes. Just giving them a paycheck and sending them on their way and like just treating them like a cog in the wheel, which is how you end up feeling, isn't going to accomplish that. And so so hopefully as a leader, you would you would want more than that. And then it's also time again to take a step back and think about those narratives, those core values about how you were raised through the system and whether mm -hmm. Having that mindset of, well, they're just their job is really getting you what you want at the end right, of the day. Right. Gosh, I, I could seriously have a whole conversation on this. I think it's so. Oh, no, I, I could too. It's, to me, it's bizarre. <laughs> It's, it's weird. Well, and it's like, I can see it from both sides, you know, and, and I get that personality type. Sometimes you do feel like it is just your job. And if you don't need that recognition, that's tends to be how you feel. But I think you kind of hit the nail on the head when you said like, it's a transaction and the paycheck is to fulfill that agreement. And that paycheck can be received from other places. So if you want to go above and beyond getting the paycheck and you want to retain somebody, you want the culture, you want to avoid the burnout, that's where this other thing comes into play. It's yes. not gratitude because they did their job. It's gratitude because you want a higher level employee, because you want healthy people, because you want a culture and you want retention at your company. Well, and so I, have I to think, think of it at that next layer. You do. And I, I always then ask leaders to think about who was a who, did, who would they say was a great leader for them when they were ascending through their career? Um, what traits did that leader or did those leaders exhibit, whether you consider a leader to be a parent, a teacher, literally somebody within the confines of work? Mm -hmm. And you would never hear them say, oh, they were just somebody who like gave me my paycheck and sent me on my way. Right, right. Um, you, would, you would hear these things like they supported me. They valued my opinion. They trusted me. Yeah. They asked me for advice. Uh, they inspired me. Like, and so it, 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 it's then such a disconnect then why you would, why you would, yeah, we, we could do a whole like two or three hour conversation about, I know. about and, and money is that, easy. It's right? that's money part of it too. Like, I don't have to do anything. The business owners, right. Want to just go, here's some extra money. You know, let me give her a raise. Let me give her some time off. And it's like, just say the thank you. Give a sticky recognition. It's free, you know, and, and so it's, it's two impact. minutes. Literally it's free and it's, it's two minutes and it unlocks. Yeah. 
So it's, it's not about the other thing that I want to try and get people to switch to is that this isn't about stroking someone's ego. Giving recognition in the right way is not about stroking someone's ego. It's giving them the psychological fuel to unlock motivation and engagement. And if you're a leader who says, I don't want my team to be motivated and I don't want them to be engaged, you probably shouldn't be in your position leading. So I don't think any leader would say that. And so if those are things that you want, which most if not all leaders do, then you got to look at the pathways that get you to that point and just handing somebody money doesn't do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that psychological fuel to unlock potential and motivation. Love it. Yes. Okay. Well, now that we've kind of beat that to death and I hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we did, we're going to have another podcast just on that, but let's hit um, your four other pieces of your six. Yes. Yes, and two, two we can kind of take in tandem because I think they are at the crux of why hybrid work is still so frustrating for so many folks. So one is lack of community and one is lack of autonomy. So we need that sense of flexibility and we need that sense of belonging, that, that keen awareness, that perception that I'm showing up to work with a group that I like, with people who I care about, who I know care about me, where I know I'm valued, um, that belonging piece is really, really critical. And so right now, those two things tend to be at tension. They're fighting with each other because people are saying, I had that flexibility and autonomy in spades for two and a half years. I proved to you, leaders, that I could do my job sitting in my PJs, you know, dressed with a nice shirt, you know, from the waist up, yeah. um, you know, doing my work and, you know, kicking butt and, and, and meeting all of, you know, what we had to go through. And you're going to try and take that away from me. And it's one of the most powerful psychological needs we have to make our work feel, to feel motivated about our work. And it's that sense of autonomy. And so we need both of them, but it's hard. It's a yeah. really hard environment to craft both of them. And so then so that's three and four. Um, five would be um, unfairness. So if I am in an environment where there is outright unfairness, right, maybe there's incivility uh, or there's a lot of closed door meetings. I know something's going on and nobody's saying anything to me about it. It's also uh, organizational politics and red tape. Uh, I just need an answer to something and it's taking me six weeks and five people and seven forms and before I can mm -hmm. you know, kind of get, get to that yes or no piece. And the last one is values disconnect. So meaning that I, I want certain things from my work. I want work mm -hmm. to fuel me in certain ways. And I, there are things that I value about my work, but my workplace environment isn't giving me those things. Um, maybe my work um, organizational, the, the organization's values are somewhat different than mine. And so they keep butting heads. And so um, that becomes stressful for folks. So that's, those are, those are the, those are the core six. Love it. Love it. Especially the values one. Um, I do that with people often. It's like, what do you value? I was doing an interview for a client the other day for somebody who was bringing on and I asked the girl, I was like, you know, what are your workplace values? And oddly enough, you know, pay and income was not one of her top ones, but that recognition yes. and growth were at the top. And it's interesting if, if people took the time to understand that about their employees, then you really have so much inside knowledge about, you know, what's important to them and making sure that their values are in alignment there. So, and I, so I do I, pieces here. Yeah. Yes. I, I do want to punctuate though, that like compensation and benefits, do encompass part of what we say when we say reward or recognition. So that is a piece mm -hmm, sure. of the puzzle. So we, I don't want to just completely like dismiss it, but we've like way overshot the mark on right. how we use those things. 
yeah, like you said, it's easy. You know what I mean? It's you don't have to do much work. Just increase no. that hourly rate, give that bonus. You know, it's always the first go to for people. Yes. yes. And, and funny because at the same time, employers will not hire more people because of budget issues. Right. And create the unmanageable workloads, but then be willing to, like, throw money at people so that they avoid that burnout. So, yes. Great, great, great pieces here. Um, like I said, we could have a whole nother conversation on this and, and we probably will. But um, it kind of wrapping things up, I think it's mm -hmm. important that one, you've got kind of the accountability on the employee side, right? To look for those mm -hmm. warning flags, understand when you are feeling burnt out, take that to somebody and have a conversation, be solution oriented instead of just dumping your feelings out and expecting someone to do something. And on the employer side, really looking out for those red flags, take this little survey about, you know, the six core pieces that you've given to say, look, how do I show up? How does our company show up when it comes to these things and really assess that. And I think that goes a long way in, you know, preventing and being aware and being able to do something about it. But yes. this is your specialty. This is what you do with people all day long, companies and individuals. Mm -hmm. So if somebody really wanted to dig in more to this or have you help them shine a light on where they are with their company, where can they find you and what do you offer for people? Sure. So my website is stressandresilience, all spelled out, dot com. So stressandresilience.com. So we have a whole host of, of ways to help. We have workshops. We have assessments that we give. There's uh, consulting layers. We have uh, a, a new a certificate course. So focusing on how to create sort of an anti-burnout environment and build the resilience of your teams. We have on-demand content of a number of different forms. We have free downloadable worksheets and checklists and things and that's all on the website so and my book beating burnout at work as well so lots of, lots of different resources to help i love it there is absolutely zero excuses as to why you can't <laughs> lean in and learn a little bit more about how to avoid burnout in the workplace it's literally a topic that comes up every single day i did a piece on the news about it for um you know burnout and dealing with bosses and and how mm -hmm. to kind of cope with all of that and i had set my google alerts to pull up burnout in the workplace so i would know when there's kind of relevant conversations or topics about it and it's literally an alert i get every single day there is a yeah. piece on it so yes. it is there and being yeah. aware of whether or not it's in your workplace is huge so thank you for sharing all that one last question for you i always like to ask my guests um you've shared your wisdom today but i know somebody in your life has probably shared some wisdom with you that you have carried and used again and again so what is that most valuable piece of wisdom that you've been given before that's such a great question. And I feel like it, I don't know that it came in the form of words. It came in the form of actions. Um, really, I think by I would say my parents, mainly my father, who uh, left his uh, you know, sort of safe job um, way back in the early 1980s to start a plastic injection molding company. Um, and started it as a side hustle and then eventually left his job to to go in full time when my brother and I were nine and six, respectively. And so I think learning first and foremost from him about 
the payoff from taking good risks and knowing what good risks are um, was something that really resonated with me. And then having being able to sort of sit with him and talk with him as my business goes through different iterations about what he was thinking and how he thought about the process and, um, you know, the benefits that have come from him being able to having taken a good risk and seeing it pay off um, were, are really things that I, I have kept me, I think, um, continuously looking for ways to make an impact and not necessarily just feeling safe or staying safe in, in my mm-hmm. work and in my world. I love it. Sounds like you had a good leader in your life as a father then. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Paula. Okay, you all avoid the burnout. Follow Paula Davis, go to her website, get all the free tools and downloads and reach out if you need her. Paula, thanks again for sharing today. Thanks so much, Angie. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you found your dose of wisdom for the day. And remember, just don't take it in, live the wisdom and share the wisdom. If you like this episode, give us a like below and comment. Let me know what you think. If you want to be sure to catch all the episodes of Sharing Wisdom, hit that follow button. If you want more of Angie Wisdom, you can go to AngieWisdom.com and sign up for Words of Wisdom or follow me over on YouTube and Instagram at Angie Wisdom Life Coach. 